Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. And keep putting our hands together as we welcome God's servant for this house, God's servant for this evening, Reverend Gilbert Asamoa. Amen. Praise you all. Greatly to be praised, Father, you reign. Great as you, Lord. Greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised, Father, you reign. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to tell you that we love you and we appreciate you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your kindness that allows you to forgive us. Forgive all our failings, our shortcomings. We ask you and we plead the blood of Jesus. Let the blood be on us so that we will qualify for the anointing. Thank you for blessing our service. Thank you for reminding us in the spirit about your presence, about your Holy Spirit, about your anointing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. We are going to finish our series, The Anointing Creates Your Room. Amen. The Anointing Creates Your Room. The Anointing is the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 2.38, You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Anointing is the gift of God of himself to you. Amen. God promised Abraham. He said, I am your very great reward. And as we said some weeks ago, when God was sharing the land among the descendants of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Jacob, the Levites, they didn't get a piece of the land. But the Lord said, I myself am their inheritance. You know, when everybody has a land that they have their name to, but you don't have a piece of land that you have your name to, and then some mystical, mystical supreme being says, he is your inheritance. It takes a greater level of faith. Hallelujah. Because you see, when you don't have something physical and tangible to see, and you still have to expect something to come out of something, then it takes a greater faith to do that. That's why even during the Holy Ghost ministrations, uh, it takes a greater faith to receive a prophetic word, like when a word is spoken, because words are invisible. Somebody has just said something, and for you to receive it and connect to it, it takes a greater faith than when hands are laid on you. When hands are laid on you, you've at least touched, you feel somebody's touch. And then it takes greater faith that, that um, when no oil has been used, because when you see the oil, you are reminded that something is working, something is happening. But if somebody... Said, Jesus told somebody, go that way, that son liveth. <laughs> that, 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 was the, that was the word. Hallelujah. 
And, but then I must say that as we are going to find out, there are aspects of the flow of the anointing that requires a physical presence. Amen. So let's do a quick revision. The anointing creates your room. Proverbs 18.16 The anointing creates the room of ministry that you operate in. Hallelujah. So in the realm of the spirit, there's a place you occupy. And make sure you stay in that place. When Judah did not stay in that place, in Acts chapter 1, when the disciples met, the scripture said they stood, Peter stood up one of, the, one of those days and said that, you know, um, Judas forsook his place of ministry. And then he quoted the book of Psalms, a place that says, and his bishopric let another take. His bishopric or his overseership or his office. Amen. Now, what we are learning through this, this series is that who you are physically is actually fueled and dictated and driven by who you are spiritually. And so you must major on, in as much as you have to do whatever you need to do physically, you must major on um, building yourself in the spirit. Hallelujah. You know, um, was the book of Jude that it says that we should build yourself up in your holy faith. And then he said, he's, he that speaketh in unknown tongues, speaking unto men, 1 Corinthians 14, but speaketh unto God. Habit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Hallelujah. When you pray in the spirit, you edify yourself. You, you build yourself up in the spirit. Amen. Amen. So it is like having a house and fortifying the walls. Are you there? And so if we don't get anything at all, remember that there's a parallel life that you have, Pastor Nicholas. There's a parallel life that is um, in existence out of which your life on earth draws from. Amen. You may not see it, but it is real. You know, this is a bad example, but let me go ahead and give it. <laughs> Sometimes some, some bad men may have a family that everybody knows this is his wife and his children. Do you get it? And then, sometimes secretly, he has another wife in a... You know, if, if, there's a, if there's a child he has long ago before he met this woman and the marriage started, that's a different case. But sometimes, sometimes they show some of these things on uh, uh, some of the TV uh, magazine programs, like... Uh, not 2020, there's another one. Where journalists actually investigate and then they will report on it. They, yes, deadline and things like that. So that this guy, everybody knows this is husband, wife, and kids. Not knowing he has another wife in Iowa. <laughs> where he has, he has children. <laughs> Your father, forgive. And the children, the amazing, the amazing thing is that sometimes the children are of the same age. Like similar age. See, this one is a 17, 15, 12. Do you get it? And this one is 16, 15, 12. It's like, hey, how can he be here and be doing exercises and then also be here? But it's like another life that also exists, which is also real. Hallelujah. Amen. I say it's a bad example because, because <laughs> what, we are saying, what we are saying is not to promote that, A. And then B, what we are saying also is that your life in the spirit is actually connected to your life in the physical. But I just wanted to draw the notion of the parallel 
things. Amen. Amen. So, so it means that spiritual beings recognize you first in your role in the realm of the spirit. They recognize you first in that role before they even think of your life on the earth. Spiritual beings, either angels of God or the devil's people. Amen. Amen. And so it must be important to you you know, if you don't remember anything, remember that you have a room in the realm of the spirit that you occupy. And that room, you can strengthen yourself in that place by your prayer, by the direct administration of the anointing of God, the impartation of the spirit of God. Hallelujah. By reading the word of God, by fortifying yourself, by all the things that we know to do as Christians, every time you feed into that. That's why it says in Romans 8 that Whoever sows to the spirit reaps unto the spirit. Hallelujah. The spiritual investments you are making, you, it may seem like it's not going anywhere. It's going somewhere. Some of the prayers you have prayed that it seems like nothing has happened. Look, in the economy of God, nothing is wasted. Amen. The picture I always refer to is when Christ fed the 5,000. He asked them to pick up the crumbs. All the pieces of bone uh, and, and bread crumbs, they picked and they got 12 baskets full. And if he didn't let that thing go waste, food droppings, he didn't let it go waste, how much more would your spiritual input that you have made, your prayer and your quiet times, your times of tears and your times of intercession, it will never go waste. It may not have produced fruit, but it is building up for you a place in the realm of the spirit. Hallelujah. All right. So the anointing creates the room of ministry that you operate in. Two, the anointing promotes you and brings you before greatness. All right? And then three, which we tackled last week, the anointing has been given to profit you. Amen. First Corinthians 12, 7 is that by the manifestation of the Spirit, manifestation, phanerosis, manifestation means the unveiling, the removal of the veil. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's given to every man to profit with all. So if it's to profit with all, it means that the person whom the, the Spirit is giving, the anointing is giving, is also included in the with all. Is that not so? Yeah. So the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And let's read a few things Bishop said. The anointing is designed for the body of Christ to profit all or benefit from. All necessary benefits of your life are connected to the anointing. It is designed for the people to profit and benefit. An entire congregation can benefit and profit. One of the great manifestations of the Spirit is the gift of being a pastor, an apostle, a teacher, and an evangelist. Today, the gift of being a pastor, a teacher, and an apostle has been manifested in my life and many others too. It was given also for our profiting. That is why we have profited in the ministry. Profit, when we, you, you hear the word profit in economics or in business, it means that there has been an activity, and that activity costs you money. Do you get it? And then there is benefit coming from that activity or revenue. And in order to declare a profit, the benefits, the revenue exceeds the cost. Is that not how we get profit? And so if he says that the anointing, the manifestation of the spirit is given to profit with all, what, what, who can explain that? What, what does that mean? If you are thinking of that in terms of profit. Whatever you are putting in. Exactly. And so any business that is profitable, what do you do to that business? 
You continue in it. You grow it. If you have extra, your uh, tax return comes, instead of going to buy something that is not going to, there are some things you buy which you need to buy to, to show that you are also advancing in life. Yeah. Do you get it? So we are not saying that you should keep on being like a pauper. But there's something that is like, it is just a luxury beyond the, 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 the uh, what do you call it, status of life where you are, is a luxury that you can also do without. And then, it's not just a luxury, it is not bringing you any returns on it. Do you get it? So if you have something that is bringing returns, that is bringing profit, constant profit, that you know that when you invest in it, something will come out of it. When you have extra money, deciding what to do with the extra money, you consider, oh, I'm going to put 50% of it into this venture. Hallelujah. And so if you, so you see, we are used to analyzing life. We are used to analyzing life in terms of how beneficial it will be for us. Amen. Now somebody can take a trip from here to what do you call it? Uh, Montana. And the purpose is that it, there may be a story out there that um, it is easier to regularize your papers in Montana. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out. And somebody can drive to go there. It's, it's a, you know, I found out that even when you drive long distance, sometimes there can be uh, something in your neck that can give you a headache. Do you get it? But a person who knows what they are going to get in Montana, that's not the analysis. They are, they are looking at the benefit of the trip. And so what I'm saying is that that same business acumen, because you see, you may not own a business, but you own the business of your life. And your life consists of spirit and physical things. And the, and the thought process, the, um, the, the, the analysis that we make consciously or unconsciously about our physical life and what we need to do. If you, if you send your child to an expensive school, an expensive preparatory school, it is because of what you know you are going to get. Amen. You are, we are always doing this analysis all the time, consciously or unconsciously. But now we are saying that bring the analysis to the realm of the spirit. That there is also benefit to you for investing in spiritual things and yearning and hungering for spiritual things. And whatever the cost is, so long as the benefit exceeds the cost, there is profit. Hallelujah. And so that's the, the concept here that the anointing of the spirit is given to profit all. Your profiting will also be experienced as the manifestation of the Spirit is poured out on you. God wants you to profit and be blessed. That is why he poured out his Spirit and his power on you. Do not miss this outstanding blessing, the blessing of the manifestation of the anointing. Now let's look at the scripture we looked at last week. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number verse number 13. We'll start from 13. 1 Timothy 4 Till I come, give attention to reading because we are talking about the exercise of certain activities that are going to benefit you and paul is giving a prescription here give attention to reading to exhortation to doctrine amen 14 do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the leadership so in other words the thing that he's asking timothy to do by doing them, he will not be neglecting the gifts. But if he doesn't do them, he will be neglecting the gifts. Hallelujah. The anointing has been given to profit with all. 
But anything that is generating profit needs investments. If it is a farm, you need to weed the weeds. You need to maybe put fertilizer. You need to uh, do certain things at certain times. Hallelujah. Just because the soil is good doesn't mean that the farm is just going to produce produce. If it's a business, you need to collect on your... Uh, somebody is not paying. You need to collect. You need to make calls. Do you get it? So, so the anointing has profit in it. But there is activity involved in making sure the profit happens. And that is why he's telling Timothy that don't neglect. These are things you need to deliberately and consciously do. Okay? 15. Meditate on these things. Think about it. Ponder over it. Let it be part of what overwhelms you. Sometimes you go for an interview and they ask you, what, what keeps you, uh, what do they say it? What, do you keep, uh, what keeps you awake at night? Amen. If you are, if you are, especially if you are in a, 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 the company already and you are going for an interview for a higher position, you see, and they ask what keeps you awake at night and you tell them, I, I, I sleep like a baby. <laughs> Nothing keeps you awake at night. It's like, it's like you, are not, you, are, you are not thinking seriously about the company. <laughs> Amen. They, they, they expect you. You know, recently, I, um, something happened in my company. And um, uh, I forgot which day of the week. But what I remember is that when I got into the elevator, uh, I met a lady who I dealt with before. She and I have done something together before, contract or something. So I knew her and she knew me. And so, so I, I said, how are you doing? And then she said, uh, she said, lots of things are happening. And then she made another statement that, um, my, my, like, I, didn't, I couldn't connect to what she was saying. Do you get it? And so, uh, and then, then so I asked her, so what, what has happened? <laughs> and then she, she mentioned such and such an event, you know. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Quite frankly, I didn't know what I, but she was just about to leave the elevator and it was not the time for me to, 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 to say what event. Do you get it? She said such and such an event and then she, she, it, was, it has reached her floor and she left. So immediately when I went, we have an intranet. Do you get it? Where major events. So I went on there. Then I realized a major event had happened. But how did she know? She's also coming because she has been checking her her, her what do you call it, email and checking her work because we all have a work uh, a cell phone so so in other words it is expected that after we are closed from home i'm closed from home you have gone home and you are doing all that you should you should you are expected to be checking <laughs> saturday you are expected to be checking and one day one day um um you know my boss mentioned directly that you know we should be trying to keeping up with what is happening even during the during the weekends. And 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 especially depending upon your position. Do you get it? Depending upon your position, where you are, you know, one person I heard that he had surgery. One senior person he had surgery on Monday, but Wednesday he was at work. Amen. This is this is how how engrossed and deeply engaged people are about things. So if the business world wants us to invest much of our time like that in, in these things. How much more should we not invest in the things of God? Amen. Yeah. So, so the, 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 the lady seems, uh, her face showed that she was surprised that I, because it, it seemed it was something everybody was talking about. But I had not checked my, <laughs> checked my, uh, 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 my, my, my email. I had not checked my intranet. And so since that time, I started doing that. 
Do you get it? <laughs> yeah. If it was the CEO or the CFO, because we all take the same elevator, it wouldn't have been a, a, nice, a nice thing. Hallelujah. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Hallelujah. Give yourself entirely to them. Okay, so let's now move to point number four. And we're going to start Romans chapter one from verse one. The point is the anointing has been given to establish you. The anointing has been given to establish you. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Many people believe that Paul's epistle to the Romans is at the highest point of the revelation of theology to Paul. Many people believe that, in, of course, it was in Romans that he, he the exegesis, the explanation of the gospel reached its epic place in terms of the development of the revelation of the gospel. Do you get it? Now, the, the, the interesting thing is that maybe we, 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 let's continue to read. Okay, next verse. Paul, a born servant, okay, verse 2. Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He's saying a lot of things, but we will, we will, if you start explaining verse by verse, we won't get to where we want to get to. So, through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Alright? Among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. Then he begins to directly mention who he's writing the letter to. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Hallelujah. He says, all who are in Rome, beloved of God, you are called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Keep in mind that the people in Rome, Rome was the capital of the Mediterranean world, or the known world at that time. Amen. And he said that the believers in Rome, their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So he's writing a letter to them, telling them he's been praying for them. Making requests, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. See, I like the way Paul looks at life. He looks at life as something that God wills. He's always saying, if God wills, if God wills, if God. He doesn't boast about, I'm going to do this. He always says, if the Lord wills. Hallelujah. So, for, now look at the verse. For I long to, let's go back to verse 10. Let's go back to verse 10. He has been, there's been something yearning in his heart. Okay? What is he desiring to do? He's, a, he's making requests, praying to God. What is he asking God for? That God will grant him a chance to go and see the Romans. Okay, that's 11. What is he going to do? For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Okay, let's go to Acts 15. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, 
that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel of you who are in Rome also. Hallelujah. And so Paul, they, they tell us, the, the, the um, church historians tell us that, and actually if you read the book of Acts, you see Paul started many churches, right? And we don't find internal evidence within the book of Acts that he started the church in Rome. And so it is generally believed among church fathers that the church of Rome was not started by Paul. Are you there? He didn't start the church. And when you read the letter, you, you can actually infer that he said that your faith is known throughout the whole world. Hallelujah. And then he said, I yearn to come to see you. I long to see you. For what purpose? To impart to you some spiritual gift. And then he said that I believe when I come, I will have some fruit among you. So that even though you are already believers, so look at it very carefully. These people are already believers. He started talking about the development of faith. He started talking about how their faith is known throughout the world. But there is something that he has. That he thinks that when he arrives, they will benefit from it. And so now going back to the title of the book, The Anointed and His Anointing. You see, there is an aspect of the gift of God that God has invested in the anointed. And the anointed and his anointing, if you, I think chapter 3 or so, it says that the anointed is inseparable from the anointing. Because God has so endued his, his himself in a human being that, and that that person essentially is being carried by God or is carrying God. And so in this scripture, you get the impression, let's go back to verse 11, you get the impression that Paul was yearning within him. He was yearning within him that there is something, I know that these people are doing well. Okay? These people are doing very well. But there is something that I think I can give to them to make them even do better. Some of the mistakes that we make sometimes, either in parenting or in church work, is that we tend to only focus on the ones which we think are not doing well. Do you get it? Sometimes you have a parent... You have children, some of them are doing well in school, some are not doing well. And you spend all your time on the ones that you think need more of your time. No, the ones that are also doing well also need reinforcement. They also need, you, 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 and, and perhaps even in, even in the school, sometimes the school system, they're able to identify that this one seems to be above, super, super above average. And they, they, they have something like gifted program. That sometimes they, they place children in a gifted program. Do you get it? Because a child who is supposed to be doing algebra 2 and you know, you are teaching them the uh, basic arithmetic with the rest of his classmates, it will be bored. And so, and so they are, they, sometimes they identify extra classes for children like that and they will let, let you take an exams and then they will place you in a particular group. So what I'm saying is that Getting the impartation of the anointing does not mean that you are living in sin. Does not mean that you are not doing well. In fact, if you are doing well, there is a certain impartation of the anointing that actually you need for you to do better and reach higher and higher. Because clearly, 
that people in Rome were already doing well. Amen. And so what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that Paul acknowledged who the Romans were. And he acknowledged that they were already believers and they were famous in the world. But then what is making Paul, he said that I've been trying. I've been trying. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant. There's, there's, this, there's two places that we, you, 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 you hear Paul using that expression. I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be unaware. In 1 Corinthians 12, he said, I do not want you to be unaware about spiritual gifts. And here too, he said, I do not want you to be unaware about the effort that I've been trying to reach you. Hallelujah. Let's look at the scripture. I think I can find it. In a, Let's see if I can find it. We will come back to this place, but the reason why I'm emphasizing the effort that Paul is making, let's go to Acts 19. The reason why I'm emphasizing the effort Paul is making is to show you that he had a burden. Do you get it? Acts 19 and verse 22. Maybe 22 and 23. So Paul had a burden. A burden to go to Rome. Why did he have a burden to go to Rome so strongly? That burden was so strong on him that you can see, you can, you can see the effort. So, okay, so he sent into Macedonia. This is, um, okay, let's start from 20, Acts 19, 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed, all right? When these things were accomplished, Paul, look at it. When these were, Paul purposed, in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, okay, he passed through Macedonia. He, he, he decided that when I pass through Macedonia and Achaia, I will go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must do what? Also see Rome. Do you get it? So this thing about letter to the Romans, he's been thinking about it for, for a lot of years. Amen. Thinking about it for a lot of it, and by the time you, at, you get to the end of the book of Rome, he had not gone to Rome. Actually, no, he was in Rome, but he was there as a prisoner. <laughs> Amen. Which is the which is the mystery of so? So I've been so he says that I must also see Rome. This is that, then he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. He himself stayed in Asia for a time. Okay, let's add 23. Okay, and about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Okay, so let's look at another parallel scripture. I think it's in Romans 15. Romans 15, 22 to 23. Let's see if we can find that. But you get the you get the um, the picture that we are looking at. That why is Paul? Look, Paul was very busy. He was very busy all over the place. In fact, in the passage I'm looking for, uh, if that's the right passage, he was talking about going to Spain to preach there. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so so let's go. Let's start from twenty-two. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. All right. Okay, go back to 22. So he mentioned it in Romans 1. Okay. That I do not want you to be unaware how much effort I made 
to try and come to you. And then in Romans 15, he mentions it again, that I have been much hindered from coming to you, 23, but now, no longer having a place in this past and having a great desire this many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. Okay, let's add the next one. But now, I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So can you see the connection with Acts 19? In Acts 19, he was leaving Ephesus. He was passing through Achaia and Macedonia. He has collected uh, uh, offerings from people in Macedonia and Achaia to bring to who? The poor people in Jerusalem. Do you get it? And then on his way, on his way to Jerusalem, but his plan is that I want to eventually get to Rome. So now in the Romans letter, he's mentioning that I'm going to, so you see that he, he must have written the Romans letter at that time in Acts 19. He must have probably wrote, wrote it in from Ephesus because he was about to leave Ephesus to go through Achaia and Macedonia to go to Jerusalem. And so you see that the thoughts are coming together. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about the journey, the effort, okay? The effort. So let, let's go back to Romans 1, 11. Because at the end of the day, what is he worrying himself about? He said, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. There is a spiritual gift that the anointed is going to impart to you. And that, that anointed impartation is, has a purpose. So that you may be established. Okay, To be established means to be stable. You see that the word stable is right there in the word established. Amen. Not to be established means that you are unstable. You are wobbly. There is a certain stability and there is a certain, a certain um, firmness which God will give to you as you yearn for the anointing. And that impartation is going to come through somebody God has anointed for you. Because these people were already believers. But then, Paul is saying that there is something I can give to these Romans. This Roman church, that there's something I can give to them if only I will have a, a chance to go there. And when you look at Paul's situation, finally he had to use judo. He had to use some rough uh, tactic to go to Rome because he prayed and prayed and God didn't let him go to Rome the way he wanted it. So finally he got to a chance standing before Agrippa. And Agrippa was about to release him. And Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. That was his way. <laughs> so when he said, I appeal to Caesar, Agrippa said, Prophet, you have, you, have, you have done a great disservice to yourself. I was just about to release you. But he didn't know that that's what he wanted. So he ended up being put in chains and he arrived in Rome. By the time he got to the end of Acts, he said that Paul was under house arrest. He had a chance to receive visitors. It wasn't like a jail, jail, prison, prison, like the Philippian uh, jail where you know, uh, dead rats were nibbled on his toes. It wasn't like that. The one in Rome, the first imprisonment in Rome was a house arrest where he could receive visitors and he could also preach to people. It was years later that it became, the imprisonment became tougher under Nero when he was eventually beheaded. But I wanted to yearn that, look, there is something invisible, there is something intangible, there is something that God will use a human being, a person, a man or a woman of God to impart to you. 
And that thing establishes you. That you are already doing very well. You are doing many things well. But then an anointing comes. And that anointing basically buttresses you. Firms you up. And many believers, many Christians, either out of pride, because everybody has the notion that, oh, I, I mean, I can pray to God directly. I mean, there's nothing against that. There's, that in this church, we don't actually encourage Christians who don't have their own direct relationship with God. Because it's also a dangerous thing. You see, everything pushed to the extreme can be dangerous. Whereby, everything is about a human being and what they can give to you. Please keep in mind, at the end of the day, no human being can give you anything spiritual. Bishop mentions in chapter 2 of the book. Even the anointing that God is using, it is when they are under the anointing and they are being used of God, that is when they can give you something. If, if an anointed can give anything anytime he wants, then every pastor, their church will be full every Sunday. Do you get it? All I need to do is have some oil, brother Eugene. And then, I, 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 and as, as I pray you into the church in the name of Jesus, and, and by, by that thing, you are forced to be here. It doesn't work that way. Amen. Even Papa Hagen, he says sometimes people meet him in the parking lot, and they begin to describe a problem, and they say, that I want you to cast it away. You see, there is the, there is the administration of faith, whereby it says that whatever two, whatever two or three agree on touching anything, we can, I can agree with you and pray, by faith and expect God to move and God does move hallelujah but there is also the anointing whereby it is not just regular operation of faith but then by a revelation do you get it and that one it is like surgery because because it, because sometimes faith believing God on the basis of faith sometimes if it is not especially in the now something God is doing sometimes that may appear delayed but it is still the same God are you listening to me? So if I can tell somebody that, yes, I can pray for you. We are believing God together, this will work. But then, the, the, at the same time, that he can also be in a service, and then the Spirit will reveal to him, go and pray for this person. Do you get it? That one is a now event God is doing, and that one usually is instant. And you cannot make that one up. You cannot, if you make that one up, it won't work. Hallelujah. And so what we are saying is that, please expect impartations. Expect divine deposits. And whatever you are doing, expect that there, there can be something that God can use someone to impart to you. And when that thing comes, it actually does make a difference. And Bishop has taught us that we should listen to messages. Hallelujah. The impartation can come by messages. But this one Paul was talking about was not by messages. Because he, he wrote the letter to them. So they would have read his letter. So after reading his letter, why does he need to go there also? Amen. There is some aspect of the impartation that needs a physical presence. That is why, that is why we need to come to church. Amen. That is why Bishop is uh, in a, somebody was telling, somebody's co-workers were telling them, what type, of, what, what, what type of church that you have to travel to Maryland to attend church? <laughs> because Bishop has come to Maryland and we are going there. Why, why do you have to go to church in Maryland? You are living in Ohio. Amen. They don't understand, but there is a physical, sometimes physical, there is something that a physical contact will have and give that it will not come any other way. Face to face, exactly. We have to send uh, opposite, uh, uh, this, this podcast. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so let me just read a few of the points Bishop mentioned. 
then we will close. For me, the effort, the journey, the longing, and all the things that he was going through, it, there must be a reason for it. The anointing is designed to establish you in whatever you are doing. The anointing is what establishes you in life. Establishment is by the gift that has been given to you. Okay? Parents earnestly try to establish their children by giving them gifts of property riches. Okay? Today, you are moving higher. You are moving from being a beginner into being established. You are moving from living on the edge to living in the midst of establishment. Today, you are moving from being in the border of poverty into the level of superabundance. An establishment through the gift of God. Amen. Paul said, I long to see you. I want to impart to you my gift because I know it will establish you. And let me end by giving this example. Sometimes when you have parents who are very rich, as their children finish college and they start working, some rich parents sometimes give a gift of a house. Do you get it? Or if not a gift of a house, they give the down payment for a house. You are established. Right from the beginning, as, uh, from college, you are already established because you already have a house. That type of gifting is what God is going to give to us. Amen. Let's receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's rise up. As we bring the Lord an offering, let's pray. Father Lord, we are grateful to you for your love for us. We appreciate you. We commend ourselves to you and we commend our gifts. May you receive them, O Lord. Let it provoke, O God, your heart. Let it provoke your heart. We believe that there is something of great substance that will establish us. An impartation that will come upon us. Let this be our blessing, even as we give of our substance to promote your work in Jesus' name. Amen.